Welcome to episode 28 of How We Win. All over the country, ordinary people are doing extraordinary things. We're giving you the tools that you need to jump in and make a difference right now. There are 237 days until the most important election of our lives. We want you to join the party. On today's episode, don't worry, it's not going to be all coronavirus. We talked to former Wisconsin Senator Russ Feingold. He's going to talk to us about what we need to do to win in the Rust Belt and how you can get involved with the Campaign for Nature and, you know, help save our planet, among other things. That's also important to, to stay focused on. Then we're going to be joined by Swing Left's field director for Wisconsin, Jared Launius. He'll give us a report from the ground and let you know how you can help out there, too. I'm Steve Pearson. And I'm Mariah Craven. And And this this is How How We We Win. So I've had a cough. I've had allergies for weeks. This was before coronavirus started. But now I feel so self-conscious when I'm out in public and my throat starts tickling. And I'm like, oh, my God, what do I need to do? We went to Costco over the weekend to, you know, get supplies. I mean, we had to go grocery shopping anyway. It wasn't like, uh, you know, uh, we were just hunkering down in in a bunker or anything. But um, they'd just gotten a new delivery of water. So people were just stacking water bottles on their carts, taking those out. And, you know, people are really worried. And unfortunately, it's for good reason. I mean, they should be concerned about this virus, but also our government, a place that you should be able to go to in a time of uncertainty like this Mm -hmm. and get consistent information that you can trust, has completely and predictably bungled this whole thing. That's a nice way to put it. Yeah. Um, And uh, I I don't want to dunk on these uh, Republicans who now are in self-quarantine because, you know, Democrats are going to get it. Republicans are going to get it. Um, The fact that, like, Matt Getz (laughs) can be such a smarmy dick. That's... What, that's the word I was looking for, yeah. And, and then, you know, again, you don't want to celebrate somebody potentially getting sick, but, like, come on, dude, take this seriously. Take it seriously. So he's the he's the member of Congress who thought it would be funny to wear a gas mask. Full-on gas mask on the floor mocking right. the public worries over this. And and now he's potentially been exposed to it. Now he's been exposed to it. And the other thing about that, so he was on on Air Force One with Trump. Mm -hmm. He was exposed to someone who tested positive for it at CPAC. He was on Air Force One. He had basically confined himself uh, away from everybody on the plane. And then the president, Trump, called him up to talk to him, Mm. was not concerned and was not worried. This, to me, speaks to really a troubling, troubling thing about this guy, Donald Trump, Hmm. who his entire life has not had to face repercussions for any actions, Mm -hmm. has been bailed out of any situation that he's been in, whether it's uh, price gouging, whether it's overstating the square footage on his uh, properties. Um, whether it's cheating on taxes, whether it's be getting bailed out by Russian oligarchs who have financed his projects when no one else would through mm-hmm. Deutsche Bank, and now as president getting bailed out by these Republicans who are complicit with all of the crimes, all of the um, the lies that he has put forth. Mm-hmm. 
the, the way I've seen him talk about COVID-19 and, you know, say that it's magically going to disappear and, uh, and it'll, all the cases are going to just go away, it's really concerning because I, I think at a fundamental level, he can't appreciate that this is something that he's not just going to be able to magically make go away. He is so delusional that he really can't see this as as a major issue. And that's really, really concerning because we need uh, a president who can lead our country um, in a level-headed, um, you know, science-based way. Yeah, I think he thinks the sickness is no big deal. But I think he's – he as with everything, he thinks about this as how is this going to affect me? So this is going to destroy my economy And so now I'm concerned because the stock market is tanking, and that impacts the possibility of him getting reelected. So now he's going on the air and saying that Democrats hope millions of people die from coronavirus because then they get to kick him out of office. So he's only thing. And let's be clear, that's not true. Nobody is hoping that any. But you know, that's how he sees it: is how is this affecting me? It's true. And it's scary because there are Trump followers who are not taking basic precautions to stop the spread of this virus. Things are closing down. Everything is closing. The concerts are being closed down. Uh, South by Southwest, of course, closed down. Um, Swing Left had a a big panel and um, some exciting stuff that we were doing around South by Southwest. Mm -hmm. So we were one of many people who were very disappointed that that um, was canceled. But the economic um, impact of all of this, you know, can't be understated. Yeah, and this is why it's so important that the government be honest with us and that we be able to trust them so that we can make decisions that don't panic people and don't take away people's livelihoods unnecessarily either. So um, this is so important and just yet another reminder. And, like, who would have thought at the beginning of 2020 that we'd be freaking dealing with a global health pandemic, like out of all of the things that could come up? But it's just a reminder of what can change it between now and the next 237 days that's going to impact what happens when we all go to vote. Our recommendation really is to pay attention to your local news sources, mm-hmm. uh, to your local government. Frankly, they're better sources to get info from even in the best of times. But right now we just can't trust – what Trump is is putting out there. Yeah, and try not to hoard so much toilet paper. Like, I actually need <laughs> to get some this week, and it's all gone, and I feel like a lunatic walking around stores looking for it. Mar- Please send Mariah some toilet paper. <laughs> they need toilet paper. We'll start a campaign. <laughs> toilet paper from Mariah. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so we promised that this wouldn't be all coronavirus. I know, but I want to say one more thing about coronavirus because this because this uh, also the misinformation. I, I want to highlight this story. Rachel Maddow talked about it last night. It hits close to home for me. Mm-hmm. The CDC, who we should be able to trust with their recommendations. Mm-hmm. Um, And they are a good source to go to when they are allowed to make their science-based recommendations. But they wanted to uh, make a recommendation for senior citizens to not fly, to stay off of of planes. Mm -hmm. The Trump administration blocked them from putting that out, Mm -hmm. changed the language to say use common sense in deciding whether or not you want to fly. I have two parents who are in their 80s. They have underlying respiratory conditions Mm -hmm. right now. 
They are in Orange County right now. They are f- planning on flying home to D.C. Mm. Um, in a week and a half and wondering or not whether they should go. Yeah. So uh, this president is literally putting the lives of my parents at risk. It's abhorrent. It's a new level of, of deceit. We have millions of reasons why we need to vote this guy out. But, but please, listen to your local government. Dig into the CDC. Listen to the World Health Organization. Get your information there. Don't listen to this orange asshat who is currently occupying the White House. Well said. Yeah, and I'm trying to encourage my mom and dad not to fly, not to go, you know. Yeah, so. And, and, and some guidance from the government saying elderly people don't don't fly, that would be helpful. Yeah. This is very personal for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so, Mariah, how are campaigns going to do their work in this? Like we're seeing events getting canceled all over the place. You're an expert in digital organizing. I'm really curious, like, what kind of shift do we make in campaign work or or do we? Or, you know, what do you think? What are your thoughts? Ooh, well, uh, that's a great question. I think it's top of mind for a lot of people. I think you do have to listen to your local government and what's going on. Um, we don't want a, like a panic to derail our work. So got to keep working. You got to keep working. So if you're in a state where there is no coronavirus, then, you know, look to your local government for what their recommendations are. But if you're concerned, remember that we still have phone banking, good old-fashioned phone banking, that you can do remotely from the comfort of your own home. Um, There's letter writing, which you can find on Swing Left's website. There is always, of course, you know, going online and spreading the truth and <laughs> and, and emailing your friends um, and family, especially those that live in states that are still voting in the primaries. We need to make sure that this doesn't deter voter turnout. And so right. looking into whether there's vote by mail options, early voting when the polls aren't as crowded, all of that can uh, go into making sure yeah. that people still show up to vote. It reminds me, we had uh, a couple of days ago the year anniversary of H.R. 1 getting passed through Congress, mm-hmm. this sweeping voting rights bill, yeah. the uh, biggest and most important voting rights bill to move through Congress since the McCain-Feingold Act, um, actually. Mm. And one of the things that it does is uh, vote by mail, you know, for you know, everyone should be able to vote by mail. This is hopefully, I'm sure, you know, Congress will take this up again as a measure here to make sure for the November 3rd election Mm -hmm. that's available in as many in all states as possible Mm -hmm. because that's it. It makes it easier for people to vote, but especially when we're social distancing. Right. H.R. 1, very great bill, stopped by Mitch McConnell. That guy. So, yeah, thanks. Thanks again. So we're full circle to taking back the Senate. <laughs> Always bring it back. Which brings me to uh, a reason for hope for me. Yeah. Steve Bullock, former presidential candidate, former governor of Montana, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is running for Senate in Montana. Whoa, that's big news. It's really big news. It's exciting. And there's another Senate seat in play. Yeah, and um, I think that we we all know how important it is to take back the Senate. I think a lot of people, especially people who have been frustrated with the process for 
finding a Democratic presidential candidate are focused on the Senate. And this is so this is huge news and moves us a little bit closer to that incredibly important goal. And just a reminder that we've got um, several major goals this year, Mm -hmm. taking back the White House, holding on to the House, flipping the Senate so we can get rid of the do nothing Senate majority leader, um, as well as some down ballot races. Yeah, there's a lot of work to be done. And it seems like, you know, right now, uh, Super Tuesday 2 or Mini Tuesday or whatever you want to call it is is happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Michigan is the notable there that's right. going to really bring some clarity to this race, although it's you know becoming more and more clear. Next week, we'll have Florida. That will really be um, mm-hmm. you know a make or break time, especially for Bernie Sanders' campaign. But it's time to unify uh, behind our candidates for Senate, for Senate, right? Oh, you see what you, you thought I was going to say, unify behind the president. We have to do that too. But um, We don't have to do that quite yet. We don't have to do we that gotta, yet. It's not over yet. do it eventually. Vote for, you know, if you're still voting in primaries, vote for the candidate that you want to vote for, you know, that you want to see in the White House. Don't You don't have to worry about strategery or anything like that. But yeah, let's, let's focus on some of these down ballot races too. Oh my gosh. I was watching uh, UFC over the weekend. I saw you tweet about that. Yeah. It was crazy. What 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 happened? So everybody might recall that there are actually three presidential candidates. There's Biden, Sanders, and Tulsi Gabbard hasn't dropped out yet with her two delegates. <laughs> I literally so was like, who are you talking she's about? She's still in it. And I was like, what what has she been doing? Like I saw I saw she did some stuff ahead of Super Tuesday. And then other than that, I haven't seen it. Like she has no no campaign events on her website other than some phone calls. And uh and so uh, we're watching UFC women's uh, main card amazing fight at the end. <laughs> Tulsi Gabbard standing in the ring smiling. And I was like squinting. I'm like, is that wow. is that Tulsi? Like, okay. Did she fight? She didn't. I, I think she's been training with the fighter from China. Oh, wow. Who, spoiler alert, won this was Saturday, won the fight. Okay. Um, and as we, I think we've talked about on this podcast before, Joe Rogan, who uh, hosts these fights, has a huge following and you know, kind of like tends to to weigh in on this kind of stuff. So I don't know if she's trying to catch the Rogan bro audience, the the <laughs> female uh, UFC fighter. It was bizarre. It was just another. This is what's going on in 2020. Well, I'm not a political pundit. I'm an organizer. <laughs> so I'm not an expert in the presidential horse race. But I'm. I think Tulsi. Probably doesn't have much of a path. Yeah, she's a, she's keeping things interesting. So okay, so what are you going to do this week? We do have concerns over this virus, and we also have great ways to contact voters remotely. So, mm-hmm. um, guess what? You're not off the hook this week. Your call to action is to write letters. Right mm. now. Now we've done a. We, this, it's really fun getting together with groups and writing letters. We have some some groups who have been doing some interesting things. They've some of the group leaders are providing letters for their members mm-hmm. and having them come pick them up at staggered times and take them home with them and then drop them off so that they're not all in a group. So they go pick up the templates, take them home, write the letters, yeah, and then yeah, and bring them back. 
And then also, if you want to write letters from home, you don't have to do it as part of a group. You can just do it yourself. You can go on to swingleft.org slash letters mm-hmm. and check out some letters for uh, – we're going to be talking about uh, Wisconsin a lot. So you can choose Wisconsin or any other of our super states mm-hmm. and um, get into action this week while still social distancing. Yeah. I think that's great. You know, just always remind people that phone banking and text banking still exist, and you can usually find those through specific campaigns as well as state Democratic parties. So, Last week with Dan Pfeiffer, we talked about cleaning the lists Mm -hmm. and how phone banking can really help with that, especially when you do it early on. So there's tons of ways to help out. I'm excited about this interview because Wisconsin's such an interesting state politically. And I when we talked to Russ Feingold, I was telling I was telling you guys about this weird job that I used to have in Wisconsin. Yeah, I had no idea that you I, lived there. Yeah, but I should have been much clearer. Like I was uh, I worked in TV news in um the Minnesota Wisconsin border. So I wasn't just uh. like fluffing off and just, you know, Working at a bar in Wisconsin, I was I was also I was also a reporter and producer. And again, Minnesota and Wisconsin both have these rich political histories that Feingold is a part of. And so it's just such an interesting place to have worked and and seen firsthand how that unravels. I think people are going to be excited to hear from him. We had the opportunity to talk to him a few weeks ago, actually, in the impeachment proceedings were still going on while we talked to him. And I've been excited for people to hear uh, not just about the work in Wisconsin, but his uh, incredible work with the Campaign for Nature and how people can get involved with that, too. Russ Feingold served as a United States senator from Wisconsin from 1993 to 2011. He's a recipient of the John F. Kennedy Profile and Courage Award and co-sponsored the Bipartisan Campaign Reform Act, known as the McCain-Feingold Act, the only piece of campaign finance reform legislation passed into law in decades. He is currently the honorary ambassador for the Campaign for Nature, which I'm excited to hear more about. Senator Feingold, thank you so much for calling in today. Thanks so much for having me on the show and for what you guys are doing. Oh, it's a pleasure. Um, How did you first get started? You've worked in politics in Wisconsin for a long time. What what got you to run for office the very first time? Well, it goes really far back. (laughs) When I was seven years old, John F. Kennedy was elected president. And a lot of people in my generation were inspired by him and, of course, Robert Kennedy and Martin Luther King, who I had a chance to see speak at Soldier Field when I was a teenager. And they were all assassinated. And uh, so by the time I was 14 or 15, I had this very uh, intense desire to do something in some small way to, you know, continue their legacies. Uh, and so I made a decision at an early age that I needed to be involved in public life and and that I wanted to do that. And I was extremely lucky uh, to have a very uh, good long time to, to be able to do that. Uh, but now we face a time when uh, things are just terrible in terms of our political system and a lot of our uh, culture and attitudes in the United States. So the battle uh, has to go on, but uh, that's why I got involved in the first place. I uh, love Wisconsin, went back there after going to school, uh, law school, a couple other places, and um, it's still my home. 
you are very well known for co-authoring the McCain-Feingold Act, which was the, as Steve said, last meaningful piece of, of campaign finance reform law. And I think that nowadays people are very aware of campaign finance, particularly because of Citizens United being affirmed by the Supreme Court and allowing unlimited amounts of dark uh, money and and you saw with with your campaign uh, the the firsthand effect of that. Do you think that we have any hope for for countering the effects of Citizens United? Well, the hopes are flickering, and they have mm. been uh, ever since Citizens United came down. It, that was an end run around the McCain-Feingold bill, which mm-hmm. is still the law. It destroyed a law that was signed by Teddy Roosevelt that said that corporations and uh, people couldn't give unlimited amounts of money directly to campaigns, and it's it's gutted the campaign finance system. So what do we do? Well, somehow, and this is going to be very difficult, we have to get different justices on the Supreme Court to overturn that decision. But Mm -hmm. before that, what you can do is pass a law in Congress, probably with a different Senate, that would demand disclosure of all contributions. Mm -hmm. A lot of these contributions are still dark money, and so that would help. Secondly, you could make it really clear that if somebody actually is coordinating, because the whole premise of Citizens United is that the sender of the money and the and the recipient are coordinating. If you make that coordination a serious crime, serious felony, strengthen it, that would make a big difference as well. So those are some things you can do, as well as passing uh, the House Bill 1. House mm-hmm. Bill 1 provides for vouchers, so that, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, basically every American uh, has a chance to contribute a little bit to political campaigns, and that would be a great step forward, all outside of uh, Citizens United. Right. And what you're talking about, in part, is one of the reasons, I think, why people who are concerned about this are so intent on flipping the Senate. But also, you know, given the Senate that we do have Mm. and and how hyperpartisan everything is, do you think that it would be possible today to get a transformational bipartisan bill through the Senate? It wouldn't be easy um, after they uh, continue to gut the, the Senate and its impeachment powers and the Trump impeachment. It, it gets even worse. Uh, but look, if the Democrats can take over the Senate, uh, I think the world's going to look a lot different to some of those Republican senators. And there are some, a few, mm-hmm. who I think might say, you know what, let's, let's try to do this. You know, it took John McCain and I seven to eight years of trying to get people to come along. And we finally succeeded and passed an important piece of legislation. So somebody, and we did it under a Republican Senate, a Republican House, and a Republican president, and a majority appointed Republican Supreme Court. Mm. So it can be done, but it has to be bipartisan, and hopefully it will begin um, after this election this year if things go in a reasonable direction. Of course, it would help enormously if a, a new president was in office. Right. You know, by the time this interview airs, the Senate will have certainly voted to dismiss Trump's charges, and he will undoubtedly be even further emboldened to do whatever he can to win re-election. I mean, this whole process uh, has just been foundationally depressing. Um, where uh, where do we go from here? How how can we restore our citizens' faith in our institutions and even the rule of law after? this whole process has unfolded? Well, we're just, we've been put, we've dug a huge hole, the society has now. I mean, first of all, the Supreme Court was stolen Mm -hmm. uh, when Justice Scalia died by Mitch McConnell. They stole it. Yeah. Uh, And now they're destroying the Senate itself. 
by gutting the really sacred constitutional powers regarding impeachment. We have a president who not only believes that he can do whatever he wants, but will do whatever he wants. And, you know, whatever happened to political courage, whatever happened to the idea, uh, as, as was said by Edward R. Murrow, that we are not descended from fearful men, or we should add women. And yet the senators who go along with this, who don't have a real impeachment trial, they're fearful of Donald Trump. They have no guts, and they are willing to sacrifice our Constitution for their own political future. Yeah, well said. And, um, you know, I, I also just knowing what we don't know, you know, all of the documents and witnesses that have been uh, you know, prevented from coming to the public eye, we don't know how many of your you know, former colleagues and current occupants in the Senate are implicated in this, too. You know, it's not just a cover-up of Donald Trump, but certainly we see Lev Parnas's picture around a lot of these fellows <laughs> and, and women. So, I mean, they may be directly implicated, but if not, they're implicating themselves by not having a real trial. They're, 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 it is not an exaggeration, nor is it disrespectful mm -hmm. to say that they are part of a, a, a basically a criminal cover-up. And, um, you know, you know, you can say, look, you should be ashamed of yourself. Uh, you should think about your legacy. I think they should think about the fact that, in effect, they are part of a criminal conspiracy. Hmm. Well, we have very little faith and hope in in the in the current um, <laughs> Senate right now that the Republicans. Um, but we do have hope when it comes to the 2020 election, because that is yeah. a, a place where volunteers and, and voters can make a big difference. So let's talk about your state, Wisconsin. I used to work in Superior, Wisconsin, oh, long, long place. time ago. Yeah, <laughs> um, more fun up there. <laughs> <laughs> I worked at a karaoke bar. I had a lot of fun. Wow, there. <laughs> that, that would be a town that would do good karaoke. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Um, um, but Wisconsin is such an interesting place to watch politically. How do we win Wisconsin? Well, you have to appeal to voters in the kind of area you're talking about. Northern Wisconsin, I mean, Superior is a very Democrat town. But, you know, a lot of people used to vote Democrat, decided it would be a good idea to vote for Donald Trump. Hmm. I guess they didn't like Hillary Clinton. I guess they liked the sort of the, the, the sort of brutal appeal that Trump had. It was phony. But his talk about jobs and, and the, the things he talked about, maybe it had an appeal. We cannot win Wisconsin unless some of those individuals, many of whom voted for Obama, but then voted for Trump, uh, come back and vote for the Democratic candidate. So that is what I'm really hoping, is that, that the candidate is somebody they can live with and that they can get away from this exhausting and embarrassing reality that we have uh, basically a fool and a monster for a president. Mm. That's what we have. I mean, I don't use that kind of language usually. I don't believe in using that kind of language. Right. But when the shoe fits, wear it. And in this case... That's what we have. And I can't believe uh, that the good people that I met up there over the years really want to continue with this, with this uh, horrible attack on our system of government by a president who doesn't care about this country and only cares about himself. Well, you you won a lot of elections in Wisconsin mm -hmm. <laughs> over, I guess, 28 years um, right. in both the state Senate and the Senate. What were the issues then? Have they changed now? Has the demographics of the chain of the state changed uh, since you were active there? Well, some of the demographics have changed. Uh, and the state is, is more diverse than it was when I first came into politics. There are people from many different ethnic racial backgrounds in the state that are not only uh, in, in the big cities, but around the state. And that's an interesting and 
in my view, uh, it's been a very positive and exciting development for the state. On the other hand, uh, I would say the two biggest issues, really, uh, over time are still probably the biggest issues. The biggest issues when I did a town meeting in every one of the 72 counties every year was health care. Mm-hmm. And the other one was job loss due to unfair trade agreements. I voted against all those trade agreements long before people started, uh, you know, basically taking the snake oil from, from Donald Trump. I was pointing out even to Democratic President Clinton and Vice President Gore that these agreements, NAFTA and others, were going to take jobs out of Wisconsin. And that's exactly what happened. So those issues continue to be gut issues. And uh, to the extent Democratic candidates are able to show that they will really take these issues seriously and do something about it, that will help uh, defeat Donald Trump in Wisconsin. I know there's a lot of eyes on Wisconsin. From what I understand, the prevailing wisdom is if Wisconsin can go blue, then uh, Michigan and other you know, states are, are more likely to go blue as well. Yeah, I think the most likely connection would be Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. But another possibility, because uh, it's not just the upper Midwest, is Florida. Mm-hmm. If we were able to win Florida, and there are some polls showing at least Biden and maybe others ahead there, um, that would be another way to win. But, you know, naturally, I'm hoping that the upper Midwest comes to its senses and says, wait a minute, why would you want this, uh, you know, corrupt person to be your president anymore? Well, we've got to talk to a lot of people up there. We've got to knock on a lot of doors. <laughs> <laughs> um so, Senator, you are a champion for environmental protection and, and, and biodiversity. It must be so infuriating to see an administration in power that is actively just, you know, rolling back regulations that were put in place to protect these things and, and preparing to destroy our environment in the process. Well, it's devastating. I come from the great state of Wisconsin that was always known for what we used to call conservation. And one of my predecessors, Gaylord Nelson, was the senator that invented Earth Day. Mm. And yes, this administration is gutting the uh, Endangered Species Act. Uh, They're gutting the the migratory bird uh, protections. They're gutting Mm -hmm. the Clean Water Act. They're rolling back uh, protected areas. And, And that's why I'm pleased to be involved in a movement and an effort that really tries to go around this. And that's the international effort to do something about the crisis in biodiversity. So I'm working as a a sort of honorary ambassador for the Campaign for Nature. And the Campaign for Nature is a group that's trying to get uh, a a treaty that was created at the same time as the Climate Change Treaty to to really have some teeth. Mm -hmm. And what the goal is, is is to answer the fact that the scientists are telling us that over a million species may be going extinct in the near future and that we are at a, at a tipping point in terms of protection of animals and, and uh, forests and other aspects of our natural environment. They say that at a minimum, we have to protect 30% of the planet by 2030. So the Campaign for Nature, uh, through uh, Hans-Jörg Wies and others, is trying to get as many countries as possible when they convene in Kunming, China in October, to sign on to this 30 by 30 goal for the next 10 years, Mm -hmm. uh, very similar to what happened in Paris for the Climate Accord. And uh, I'm especially working on the African countries because I've done a lot of work there when I was a senator and as a special envoy for President Obama to Central Africa and Congo. Mm -hmm. But it's an international effort that uh, people can get involved in. Um, And and it, it connects with the climate change issue. It's different than the climate change issue, but it is an absolute essential thing that we stop the destruction of our forests, our oceans, uh, and our uh, natural areas. Yeah. 
Well, obviously the most pressing and existential threat that we have. That's right. Um, that often gets buried in other compelling news. And, and But um, you mentioned people can get involved and help out. How can they do that? Contact the Campaign for Nature, see uh, campaignfornature.org, and uh, offer to help. Um, this is, you know, in whatever country a person might be, this would be great. One of the great ironies is that the United States is the only, basically the only significant country in the world that isn't a party to this treaty because of Jesse Helms and others killing treaties back back in, in, in the uh, early 90s. Mm. But citizens here can indicate that the United States really does want to be part of this. Uh, and in fact, uh, I was able to get a bipartisan letter signed by a lot of former Republican senators and congressmen, as well as Democrats, urging uh, that this 30 by 30 strategy be endorsed. So we're trying to create uh, uh, international acceptance of this, but also grassroots support for this. So, you know, young people holding uh, protests or rallies, like some of the climate change people, connecting mm-hmm. it with this, uh, connecting with the climate issue, they are hand in hand. That is something people can do. Visibility in the hometowns, explaining to people what the crisis and biodiversity and the extinction crisis is all about. That's amazing. That's great. Yeah, um, so campaignfornature.org, and we'll put a link on our page about that as well. Thank you so much. Of course. Mm-hmm. And one final question um, that we, we want to end with uh, on, a, on a high note, hopefully, <laughs> um, is um, what gives you the most hope for 2020? Well, I think we might be able to win the election because in the end, I think people know if they vote for Donald Trump, maybe last time they thought he wouldn't win or how bad could he be, they know they're voting for basically a criminal, Mm -hmm. somebody who has violated the laws of the country and will do it time and time and again, and somebody who is exhausting our system. I mean, why is it that we had this impeachment trial? It's nonsense to say it was for political reasons. It was done because these congressmen had no choice but to, to do something about this. And look all the time and resources. We're not talking about biodiversity. We're not talking about the climate. We're not talking about health care because everything revolves around this one awful person. And I'm hoping that people say, you know, I've had enough of this. That's my greatest hope, that they're, they're just sick and tired of this. Well, I'm sick and tired of it. I've had enough. <laughs> I've really had enough of it. So we'll keep organizing, and I'm excited to see what we can do in Wisconsin, your home state, because it is it is a very important state for us. Fantastic. All right. Keep up the good work. I appreciate it. Senator Feingold, thank you so much thank for joining you. us. Bye-bye. Swing Left's field director for Wisconsin, Illinois, and Minnesota, the big three. Welcome, Jarrett. Thanks for joining us today. Let's talk strategy. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. So what is our strategy? And let's start with Wisconsin. And, and why is it part of Swing Left's super state strategy? Yeah, absolutely. So as, as folks know, Swing Left is targeting 12 super states this election cycle, the 12 states that are going to have outsized importance on our ability as Democrats to take back the White House, take back the Senate, and to end the most egregious Republican gerrymanders. Now, Wisconsin, unfortunately, we will not get a shot at a Senate seat again until 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we look at the White House, we, we know the story about Wisconsin, right? right. Hadn't gone to uh, the Republican nominee for president since the, the 80s, since Reagan. Um, and in 2016, it was part of that 
what we thought was a blue wall, um, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, that, that Trump was able to carry by a combined, what, like 80,000 votes. Right. Um, and so, you know, in 2016, we, we nearly lost Wisconsin, 23,000 or so votes, which is about seven-tenths of a percent. Mm. And so we know that Wisconsin is scarily, deathly close um, in terms of the, the presidential election. Um, and we also know that it's, it's really, really important if you look at how do we win the Electoral College. It's hard to envision a strategy where a Democrat is able to lose Wisconsin and still win the Electoral College. It's, it's seen by many as, as a tipping point state. And I think a thing that, you know, I spend a lot of my time trying to focus folks on when we have their interest in Wisconsin is the egregious Republican gerrymandered maps, which we have a chance to end in uh, 2021 if we can win the right set of, of elections in the state legislature this year. Uh, back in 2010, uh, Republicans gained unified control of the Wisconsin state government for the first time in, in decades, and they used that new power to enact maybe the most egregious gerrymandered electoral maps in the entire country. Right. They set up shop in this law firm across the street from the Capitol building, um, brought in Republicans one by one, mm-hmm. made them sign NDAs, let them view only their district map, put the maps out at five o'clock or later than that on a Friday evening, voted on them first thing the next week. Democrats never really even hardly got a chance to see these new maps before they were passed. Mm. And the maps that, that ended up being enacted I mean, the, the words that I would use to describe them are not fit for a, a podcast for families, but suffice it to <laughs> that say... That ain't this that, one. <laughs> um, yes, yes. So, so, well, fair enough. Suffice it to say, you know, just to sort of paint a picture for um, what we're up against here in Wisconsin in terms of the maps that, that we're trying to, to put into. In 2018, uh, with a big blue wave, right, uh, Democrats won every single statewide election in Wisconsin for the first time in, in like 40 years. Wow. Um, if you add up all the votes that Democratic candidates for state assembly got, and you add up all the votes that Republican candidates for state assembly, Democrats won about 54% of all votes cast in the state assembly, which is our version of the House of Representatives in our state legislature. Right. So Democrats won 54% of all votes cast. Uh, they won every single statewide election. And for their trouble, they ended up with 36 of 99 seats in the state assembly. So that's mm-hmm. about 37 percent of the seats, despite winning well over 50 percent of the vote. Mm-hmm. So well, in the spirit of this being a family show, I just yes. want to say that is some f-ing bullshit. Yes, it is, <laughs> is rap to say the least. <laughs> yeah. And um, I mean, that's just the nicest thing to say about it. And so that's not just, you know, obviously the state legislature, but even for folks that look at Wisconsin and the maps there, they should be concerned about our U.S. House maps as well. If we had fair maps in Wisconsin, there would be at least maybe one, two, maybe even as many as three or four more competitive U.S. House seats. And so that's what's, what's on the ballot in Wisconsin in, in November. That's what we're sort of uh, focusing on. Uh, and that's why Swing Left is, is targeting Wisconsin um, as one of these 12 super states, because delivering Wisconsin um, is going to have an outsized impact on our national politics, not just over the next four years, but over the next 10 years. Yeah, it's it's so important. And the power of working in these local legislatures uh, can't be 
understated just for the longevity of this movement that we're building, um, mm. building our power the way that Republicans have been able to in such a disciplined way for decades. But also, as you mentioned, um, Wisconsin's such an important presidential state. And when you invest in some of these smaller races, it pays dividends up the ballot, too. So um, how are people yeah. – what are you doing on the ground? How can folks plug in? Yeah, absolutely. So that's a, that's a great question. So I'm an organizer, so of course, of course I'm going to turn this into a hard ask for our listeners. Um, <laughs> nice. I would imagine that most of our listeners are not within a couple-hour drive of Wisconsin. So Swing Left is raising money for um, the most important state legislative seats in Wisconsin. Now, the tactic and the approach in Wisconsin in, in 2020 isn't necessarily to take back the state legislature. You guys heard the numbers earlier. It is going to be a, it would take a Herculean task to actually flip the state legislature. Right. However, we have a Democratic governor in Wisconsin, and he can veto gerrymandered maps only if his veto power is protected. Mm. Um, and because of the gerrymander, Republicans are within three seats in each of the state assembly and the state Senate of creating a veto-proof majority, which would allow them to override a, a veto by Governor Evers. And so folks can donate money to a slate of seats that we're targeting. This is both Democratic defense seats as well as uh, Republican seats that we think might be vulnerable so that we can, at a minimum, protect Governor Evers' veto, hopefully go on the offensive a little bit to set ourselves up for, for 2022. And so for folks outside of Wisconsin, one of the easiest things that you can do is uh, to donate to the Swing Left Flippable States Fund. Um, we are raising money actively for those most important state legislative races. Folks uh, are also writing a ton, a ton, a ton of letters into Wisconsin. Um, we've had all sorts of, of uh, letter writing campaigns that folks from California to New York and everywhere in between have been participating in to help us register voters in Wisconsin, to help us make sure that voters are activated around the election, that they um, are sort of committing to being a voter. All of those things, we're talking hundreds and hundreds of thousands probably at this point of letters into Wisconsin wow. and, and a lot more to go. And so another way that we can have an impact on fair maps in Wisconsin is to flip a, a seat on the Wisconsin Supreme Court on April 7th. Um, now that's, that's, just that's really away. interesting. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's yeah. something that people don't think about getting involved in, especially right now when everyone's talking about right. presidential primaries. You know, there's a Supreme, Wisconsin Supreme Court seat that's pivotal. That's right. That's right. It's held by a conservative judge who was appointed by Scott Walker. Um, we have a, a good pro-democracy uh, challenger. Um, this election is pretty well set up um, for the progressive candidate, not certainly far from a guarantee. Um, it's worth noting that in a Supreme Court election last April, the progressive nominee lost by 5,000 votes, um, which is insane. Um, and so we know what these elections, how these elections can go. But as it so happens, the Democratic primary in Wisconsin is on the same day as, as this judicial election. So folks can help out there. So that's the thing that folks can do remotely. They can phone banks for that election or they can, can, can give money as, as well to the progressive candidate, Jill Karofsky. Then for folks that are that are here in and around the Wisconsin area, my region, right, I work with folks in Wisconsin as well as our, our border states, two of our border states, I should say, um, in, in Illinois and, and Minnesota. And what we're all doing is, is trying to sort of do that work together on the ground to build progressive grassroots power to contact voters and to build a movement that will set us up to win in a month for the Supreme Court election in eight months or seven months, whatever it is, and, until Election Day in, in November, and then not just that, but then set us up 
once we have fair maps crossing our fingers in, in 2022 to retake the state legislature, to reelect Governor Evers, and to kick um, Ron Johnson out of his Senate seat. Um, and so what that work looks like on the ground is partnership, 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 working with our, our, our good buddies from the Democratic Party of Wisconsin. I understand that you guys are going to talk to Ben Wickler in a few weeks. You'll mm-hmm. hear all about the incredible organizing that the Dem Party is doing. That's a state party that gets it. They are investing in the grassroots. They're investing in local teams to build a sustainable, progressive uh, movement that has sort of been lost in this state over the last few decades that has such a proud, progressive history. And then we're working with progressive grassroots groups in the state, as well as I've got to sort of give a, a shout out to some groups um, in and around the Chicago land area, an individual coalition of groups, swing left groups, unaffiliated progressive grassroots groups, mm-hmm. uh, local dim clubs, all of whom recognize what's on the line in Wisconsin, who are busting their butts um, to get themselves up to Wisconsin to help the Democratic Party contact voters um, and make sure that, that we are getting our people registered, um, motivated, um, and, and ready for the elections that we uh, have both in a month from now and then, of course, um, the big kahuna in November. Yeah, that coalition that you all um, are, are working together as a group, as different groups towards the same goal is so important. So definitely people in driving distance should be part of that. Yeah. Drive on over, get some cheese curds, knock some doors, <laughs> register some voters. <laughs> yes, and then, and then end your day at a supper club. There you go. That sounds like the perfect day. It sounds great. It does. It does. <laughs> well, Jared, thanks for, you know, you are so incredibly busy. I don't know how you found even, you know, five, ten minutes to talk to I us. Know. But Thank you so much. Thanks for taking well, the time. I really time. appreciate you guys um, spotlighting Wisconsin. Um, of course, all 12 states are important. I'm always going to be biased and, and say come <laughs> out in, in Wisconsin. Right. Well, um, it's it's a very important state, so there's a good bias there. But yeah, you know, but they're all important. Yes, you're right. Yes, it's like we love all of our children equally, but we love Wisconsin the most. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks, Jared. Hope to talk to you again soon. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah. Thanks so much. Take care. Thank you for stepping up and taking action. This is how we win when we all get involved. We want to hear from you. Email us at podcast at swingleft.org and follow us on Twitter. I'm at bluesboysteve. And I'm at Mariah underscore Craven. Thanks to everyone who subscribed, rated, and reviewed us. Thanks to our friends at Dimcast. If you haven't, please do subscribe wherever you're listening to this. Share on social media. Use the hashtag HowWeWin2020. Check out our page at swingleft.org slash podcast. And of course, sign up, please, to volunteer. We appreciate you being here so much, and we're excited to bring you more from the field next Wednesday. See you then. Attention, foodies. Discovery Plus has what you're hungry for. With new original series and a supersized collection of favorites, Discovery Plus has the largest collection of food shows anywhere. With new exclusives like Bobby and Chata in Italy and Luda Can't Cook. The streaming service for everyone hungry for more. More cooking, more competition, more originals. All for only $4.99. Discovery Plus is the streaming home of food, plus so much more. Start your free trial.